Welcome back for the return of the Super Mario Brothers podcast where we can't stop the tanky Yeah! Yeah, exactly right, man. Oh, that's a bit of foreshadowing as well, man, getting people with a taste of what's to come. I know, but before we do that, uh, we're going to introduce ourselves to all the newbies. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. That makes me Super Metal Brother Dan. We are the Super Metal Brothers. We're here to talk to you about a lot of things, but before we get into all the logistics, Dan, uh, we've had a bit of a break uh, talking about you know, news reviews, doing interviews from last year, and uh, we decided to step away for a couple of weeks and enjoy uh, the festivities of Christmas and the New Year. How was your New Year, Danny? Oh, it was pretty, um, pretty fantastic, man. It's been an old, good old Adelaide, you know. Wish, wish it uh, well for everybody out there. I hope they all had a great New Year's. I hope they've um, pre-planned themselves and have already failed on all of their, you know, New Year's resolutions because you know that that's definitely last like, day. Well, until you actually go to bed, then you wake up the next morning like, oh, what's my resolution? I can't remember. It really doesn't matter because uh, that whole entire time I was too busy trying to fix my mic stand to remember that I spent the whole entire thing with you anyway. So uh, we'll just have to move on to uh, what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, this year we'll give a, give a foreshadowing of what's going to happen with Super Metal Brothers, you know. I think we're going to do more of the same, but uh, we're going to add some new things in. So we're going to have our uh, you know, our normal weekly podcast. We'll do some interviews as well. But uh, um, we're really interested in getting into doing some retro reviews as well and even some discographies from the whole entire like an album list, you know. So pick a favorite band. We'll go to our fans and get them to pick a band and we'll go through the whole entire list of their uh, discography and we'll give it like a retro review, Danny. Like a full-on retro respective review of the whole band's work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, please don't I, pick like bands like a board which have like fifteen albums. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or Deep Purple or like Rolling Stones. <laughs> speaking of that, we actually gave away a free CD last year to Braden. You caught up with Braden, Danny, to give it to him in person. Yeah, I sort of. It was funny, like catching up with people out there in the real world. You see the sparkle in the eyes, a smile on the face, and he was happy to see me as well. So it's it's always it's always great to catch up with people. You know, we we gave him he wanted a testament CDN. Matt, you were quite happy that he chose Testament, not Flesh God. Well he did he did want a Flesh God, but we just let him know that um the list that we said last year, how we put number one, it was actually like the number one on the list we shouldn't give out to people. So he mm. reluctantly said, uh, no, nah, I'll go for Testament instead. But uh we're more than happy to give out to our second favourite album of the year to anyone who wants it. Um a good, good year it was with metal. Uh, hope, he's hoping this should be better. But so let's start off with the news, Danny, for the the last couple of weeks. And I guess get people up to speed of where, where we're at in the metal world, I guess. Yeah, lots happened. I guess we all switch off come Christmas time and New Year's. We, we don't want to think about things. But we kept our fingers to the pulse and our blast beats to the drums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and our analogy is to really badness. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the best-selling albums of last year, Danny, and uh, we did our top uh, 10 albums of the year, you know. We even uh, thought we got close to uh, what we could have thought would have made money in the metal world to what probably didn't, and uh, suffice to say, we got it wrong, Danny. Yeah, it was. I don't think it actually was a top 10. It was actually top 21 of the um, top 10 last year. It was pretty much... The Metallica discography plus others. Yeah, we reviewed two of the albums that made the top 21. The Volbeat got an oral mention at 13, and Avenged Sevenfold, the uh, album that we got the stage, came eighth. So we were quite happy to uh, review two of those. But then, like you said, the first five albums with Metallica, someone's got to knock these guys off this pedestal, man. They had, people are just giving them money. And this is albums that are like over 15, 20 years old. They're still outselling bands that, um, you know, that really deserve it. You know, they've, they've gone out, 
got themselves a slice of, you know, the originality um, pie and, uh, you know, they're definitely innovating with their sounds when Metallica's kind of rehashing some ideas, but but people just can't part their money away from them. Yeah. Even ACDC back in black was still in the top 10. So there's a lot of like, people just going back and getting old stuff and just trying out some new things. However, I do think that the fans themselves are onto something here because Kurt Hammett is actually selling his $16 million villa. So maybe maybe they're broke. So maybe the fans are helping him out by giving him more money. So maybe he can buy himself, you know, a nice ten million dollar house instead. Maybe. No, I reckon it's the opposite. I reckon he's like they made so much money. He's upgrading from sixteen million house, like a sixty million dollar house. Yeah. Like, well, how much did I sell this year? There's that place in Washington. There's that big white building. <laughs> I'm sure he's just gonna see, you know, if he can take that vacancy, uh, rent a room out Actually, there. Yeah, after the penthouse of Trump Tower is probably free, so he could uh, probably um squeeze in there if he wants to. Yeah, he got four years. Hey, possibly eight years. You never know, man. You never know. We're going to move on to Richie Blackmore right now. Now, a lot of people speculated that if Dio were alive today, that the Rainbow Reunion that we went to uh, last year in Birmingham would have featured the most prolific singer uh, in heavy metal of all time, right? Now, Richie Blackmore's come out and said that, no, there, there was no chance. Even if he was alive, he had no interest of reconnecting those lines. They, they rarely ever spoke anyway after they parted ways anyway. So... It was always doomed, I guess, Danny. You're a, you're a Rainbow fan. You're much, a massive Dio fan as well. So what do you think, Danny? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Dio was the original singer of Rainbow. You know, Blackmore found out about Dio when they toured with Deep Purple and Elf, like headlines. So there's the long history between the two. But if you read the article, 2009, Dio did an interview himself saying, yeah, he probably would never get back. Well, no, he would never get back with Richie. He says he, you know, he, he respects him. He's a great bloke, but they're just two big egos and never clash. And if you look at this tour, it, it wasn't like, Rainbow coming back. It's just Richie Blackmore coming back because mm-hmm. he played Rainbow and Deep Purple songs, and he got a a capable singer, but like a no name singer, so he didn't have to f- share the limelight. So this, this whole comeback for Blackmore is just for Blackmore to come back. Blackmore nailed it. He actually said that they're both out for males, and they both are the leaders of their own pack. So like you said, Danny, he can get those bands, those, those real young bloods that are coming up that respect the older generation so much that they're willing to step aside and kind of be be in the shadows while. You know, Richie Blackmore gets his light, which is the whole point of it, which we agree on. Well, if you look at the stage present, you had Richie Blackmore was center stage and a singer was like stage right. He, so you, you find me another lead singer which will do that. So. Yeah, no no kidding. It's like well, Hanna-Barbera is like stage right, actually the other stage even, you know, like it was and, get off this stage even. You know? And only Blackmore was like spotlight work. Everybody else was like out of it. You may call him the spotlight kid. Oh, oh. you're in love with the spotlight there. Uh, definitely, definitely Richie Blackmore. So we're going to move on to Devin Towns and now I, I had to read this a couple of times because it seems like the biggest troll and in some cases it kind of is. Devin Townsend has come out and is seeking his next project for a $10 million backing on it. Basically, all he wants to do is write a symphony about dicks, vaginas, and death pretty much. Now, it's not really a satire as much. He just wants it to be an absolute lunatic. Just People would go there, watch it, and be like, what is happening but he wants to be invested $10 million for his idea. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's serious about this. He's apparently got like a um, music producer or composer who's done works with like great composers or great um, playwrights currently. So he's actually sat down with this bloke and they've actually written some things already. So he's pitching it to Sony. So it, it's really trying to get traction. He really needs, and he wants $10 because he wants it to be like a full-on production where it goes for several years like a Broadway type. Yeah, because he wants, he basically sees it, if you do it as a once-off, it's just going to hemorrhage money. And he sees it hemorrhaging money. But if you take it around the world, give it a couple of years on it, 
at least they can see a return off of it, you know. And it's like you said, it's probably not going to make much money. And that's a tough pitch when you're asking 10 million of people's hard-earned you know, dollary dues. So, uh, is, is he being a dick? Like, is this like a parody of his own life or what he's doing right now? He's doing a parody of him trying to get $10 million? Maybe. They, they could be like the <laughs> it's, like, it's like a movie of him trying to raise money to do his thing and he's trying to pitch it as like a dumb concept of dicks and death and vagina and yeah. sex and shit. So, basically, instead of like actual... De- it's just like... Instead of 10 penises, it's 10 Tevin Downsons or something on stage just being like, I took your money. I took your money. Wow, this song really sucks, man. <laughs> Intermission. Thank God. Come back. I took your money. Oh, again. Two more hours. Yeah. Actually, it gives, it gives another meaning to Strapping Young Lad, though. So maybe there's a bit of a interesting uh, play between that and this uh, new play. Yeah, you know, you just can't take the craziness out of him. No matter what he's doing, it's just bizarre. Even if it's his metal or it's his classical arrangements, He's just got a sense of humor that he takes from everywhere. But now we're going to see if people buy enough into a sense of humor to willing to part with their business or, you know, a kidney or an organ or something. Yeah, $10 million. That's a lot of money. It's a lot right? of money. Holy jeez. <laughs> at least he's honest. He goes, yeah, I need about $10 million. Yeah. No, no, yeah. We we're, were laughing at Kickstarters last year for asking $100,000. And, yeah. and they weren't making it because it's like, dude, that's a lot of money, you know? Yeah. Like, for what you're trying to do, it's like, oh, but we're going to give you a guitar lesson. The guitar lesson costs $400. What's your problem? <laughs> you know? He's like, I'll just have your $10 million and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And buy a ticket to see my show as well. Uh, we're going to move on to our next one. We're going to have to do the. Uh, Oh, a funny story with the uh, Hello Kitty creators. They've come up with a, uh, a new character for Hello Kitty. Now, this thing's called Agress Suko. It's a red panda and loves death metal and it hates work. Mm, I but, mean, like, the mm. perfect combination, you know? That's why, well, I guess what's through our day is death metal. You know, we put on a song, we're like, yeah, I mean, we hate work. We love music. It's a vicious cycle. But hey, you know, it beats... Um, Beating people, I guess. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, this is actually quite... I mean, it's only like a minute 20 clip, so I'm not sure if it's actually like a real thing yet or if it's just like a proposed idea. But it literally is this panda who goes to work and gets so pissed off at the office job, like standard office job. We don't really know what that is, just paperwork. And then decides to go to karaoke to sing death metal. And it's like, ah, that's something. Yeah. Do you think now metal culture is making its way into the mainstream or do you think this is just kind of like someone is a metalhead, they got inspired and they wanted this character to be in it? And it's kind of like, yeah, it's cute enough, but like, if it does go to a church and decide it needs to be, you know, fired up, <laughs> then we might have to go back to uh, the kitty or whatever else is on that show. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, we have what Metal Apocalypse, I guess, kind of, kind of started. I mean, first you had heavy metal that movie back in the '90s, which was nothing to do with heavy metal, just had a decent soundtrack. Yeah, that, and then yeah, Metal Apocalypse, and then you had um, the talks making their baby metal animated series. And now this, uh, I don't know, maybe, look, who's to say? I mean, the Metal Apocalypse did well. Baby Metal is doing quite well for themselves. It's saying a bit popular. So, hey, look, a bit of traction, a bit of metal into the uh, into the schools. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, it's basically Japan being Japan, really. You know, I mean, we had Baby Metal. So, like, we, we, we couldn't be surprised with, you know, a cartoon character come to life with, you know, corpse paint and, you know. Actually, pandas already have corpse paint, so like this is actually great. Uh, I know it's a rare panda. Don't don't just, just hit a panda uh, park. Rare pandas look different, but pandas, corpse paint, death metal. Seriously, panda metal. That's that's the new phase of metal. Maybe that is the new. Oh, 2017 panda metal. We're not even up to that segment, Dave. Oh, you sorry. just gotta like remember that you know you're gonna give away a lot of the, the people. Are not gonna listen to the rest of the show, right? Just got so excited, man. So we're gonna move back to a uh, panda metal. So. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move it on now to <laughs> Suicide Silence. Now, they've said that the next album will feature 70% clean vocals. Now, Danny, is this kind of like saying that uh, the next tech death metal band should have their guitars without distortion or maybe the next porno movie theatre should have the next plot without cheerleaders? Like, I just can't see it working. Yeah, I thought like, we're all going to get screwed, but, you know, not that kind of good way. Yes, I don't know. I think this comes back to that old com- uh, discussion we had where if fans are changing their styles by a great deal, maybe they should just call themselves something else and mm. not upset previous bands. I know I know one person who's a big Suicide Silence fan who actually won a CD from a certain podcast people who's a bit um, apprehensive about what he's heard so far. So it could could cause problems in the um, in this SS community. Well, you know, Whitechapel did it again as well. They did it last year and people freaked out because the tone that they chose decided to work pretty well with it. However, you know, when it comes to such a brutal band, when you have clean syncing, it does change a format so drastically that unless they add another element like a real big sadness or to help embellish how much anger they're going through, it's going to be very tough for the old school fans to go with it. Whether they care or not for the old school fans, then maybe that's the whole point. Who knows? Maybe just committing suicide to their own career. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Lamb of God did as well. I think they put more clean vocals on their album first time. Soilwick did it as well. You know, Soilwick went through a whole transition period where they were like just mellow death, just ripping off at the gate songs. But then Bjorn decided, you know, I wanted to learn to sing. You know, he took his ABBA lessons and then before you know it, now he doesn't even touch screaming as much, you know. You know, it's just the way it is kind of thing. And I get it. You know, they're trying to expand their things. But what about, you know, what about the brutality thing? Yeah, we we enough sad, soppy things like listening to like old 80s song so just you know look it's always tricky i mean people want to get older and progress yeah we've had discussion before but same time man you know angry your fans that much oh we're gonna see what happens you know we're gonna review that cd for you there Braden. so uh and if anyone else is a suicide silence fan we're gonna do it for you you know consider a little favor consider a little a little bit of a favor so we move on you to know, the next you know story. why that is because at the end of the year he's gonna win our next prize and he wants that cd given to him so that's that's very clever by that Braden, <laughs> king 810 pulled out of a show Against the advice of their record label, their producers, their friends, their family, etc., what David Gunn admits. Now, this guy's had problems in the past with um, having, I think, a weapon pulled on him or, or whatever. So he carries around a gun with him, right? Now, they were told uh, in one of their shows that, um, no, we're not going to let you bring a firearm on stage. You know, it's just like, we're not going to let you do that in the venue. Now, everyone told this guy, don't do it. You know, like, don't just, no, just do the gig. Don't bring your gun with you, you know. But he stuck by his guns, literally. Hey, and now he's gone on stage with it. And then they, they, the, the show got cancelled because of it, Danny. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's a bit tricky. I mean, you got security for that reason. I know America's had a bit of troubles lately. Like Orlando, you had the shootings and schools, you have the shootings. The cinemas, you have your shootings. And shopping centers, you have the shootings. And, well, everywhere, you have shootings. <laughs> so I, I guess I understand he's a bit apprehensive. He's like, wants to look after himself. But look, that's what security guards are for. You hope the venue does a good job in curtailing people bringing weapons in. And I guess you go back to that dime bag incident where, you know, that, that was a big problem but you hope people have evolved from then yeah it's it's literally like you know the only best way to protect yourself is you know through through those means for the, for these guys you know and like you said there's so many avenues but um that's it you know they've they've told that that's what they stand by so they're willing to forego their monetary values their their labels and everything just for what they believe is their safety so the one-off i guess but uh you know that's um that's a tough one. I, was, I, was, I want to know where, where everyone thinks on that. Where do you kind of stand that, Danny? Oh, look, look, game break guns, that's security's job. Like, you're up there singing, you're playing guitar. You're really f- 
focusing on people rushing the stage. By the time you decide to use your gun, it's, it, you're really going to be able to time to use it. So. They should actually make their guitar axe and make it into a real axe. And then that yeah. way, they can defend themselves. You know, they can go all Valhalla on it and they can go, I summon Mordor and they chop them down with might. Then lightning will hit them and everything. So, or maybe you can do something a bit more creative, like get the pyrotechnics and mm. work that into a stage. So, like, have them pointing at the f- crowd. So, if someone was going, I think you just kind of hit a firework, you know, yeah. set someone alive, but oh, you know. So, you just could be, I think that what they're going to do is be more creative with their mass, weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, we'll just put like landmines between the stage and the barriers. So, someone jumps the barrier, step on a landmine. That's Problem right. Solving. Poor for security guards, you just got to, like, kind of have this kind of wink thing. Like, yeah, you can't, you know, just yeah, that, yeah. that area is secure, you know, buddy. But don't, don't sneeze, mate. Just stand in the spot, you'll be fine. Or, yeah, or maybe just hire some other people in the crowd to have guns. Yeah, or you could do yeah. I mean, to be his defense, <laughs> man, you got like rappers bring guns, basketball players bring guns to like training, as we all heard, NFL players. So, hmm. you know, th- this seems like it's uh, you know, they're just attacking metal musicians again, man. You yeah, just, you know, understand. So, uh, you know, way to stick by your guns, even if it gets you fired. So, uh, we'll move on to our next uh, story. Now, this one here is exactly what we were touching on last year. We went into this a lot with the whole bringing your uh, phone into a concert, right? Now, Corey Taylor was the one of the most vocal persons that you should never bring your phone to a concert because it's rude and blah, 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 blah. You know, you're here to see us. You're not, you're not here to see us through a screen. You know, that's just rude, apparently. Or is it? Because Corey Taylor had the audacity to upload a fan-made video from a cell phone onto his Twitter page. Now, there was a person called Zane Rerick and he's actually caught him on it. So he was said to uh, Corey Taylor, so which is it, mate? Can we bring our phone and, and, and record you and watch you or can't we? Because Corey Taylor had the audacity to slap a phone out of someone's hand for recording it or watching it or you know, calling a loved one to see if that cancer operation was a success or not. But, um, you know, that's the thing. You know, what he actually caught And you know what? Corey Taylor admitted it. He was like, yeah, I screwed up. Oh, well, look, he admitted that's, that's a big call. Normally people just like blow it off. Uh, it's... Um, yeah, we've had a discussion. Look, I, I'm I'm against it because I I feel like being a moment type thing. Corey Taylor, to be fair, the guy he hit, he was able to hit the guy's phone out the hand for Corey. So he he was obviously like first two rows. I'm not sure how far back this guy was, but at the same time, right, he Corey's not happy with you doing it, so you shouldn't do but it. He, but, but he is happy with you doing it because he's using your videos to to show off to his fans to market it. And yeah, show, but maybe that's why he did such a good job of it. The guy's like, shit, this is actually pretty good, man. You know, I got I got free filming, free footage of this uh, show. We'll, we'll take that one. So you know what? At the end of the day, the band's going to use your footage if they really like it. So it's okay. Yeah. You know, that's it. It's we not, we not spent like- a whole half an hour segment seeing if this is right or wrong just to see the hypocrisy of uh, a Slipknot uh, singer and uh, see it all fall apart within. A tweet. It's kind of like the, the hot person like principle. Like, you know, you, you, you hate someone if they're rude or disrespectful, but if they're really hot and you're attracted to a man, they could step on your mum's face with <laughs> golf shoes. Yeah, honestly. Another three or four more uh, beatings to, to the old lady and I, I might get a little bit mad. But uh, yeah, it's a bit like that. We'll move on to Body Count. Um, they tease a new song called No Lives Matter. Now, I heard the really cool riff at the end of this trailer but the start of the trailer was like about how the lives matter. And we don't get too political in it, but iced tea or vanilla tea or, yeah, green tea. Wasn't it, Danny? Uh, I think black tea. Black tea, yeah. Anyway, so white tea came out and said that um, we shouldn't we shouldn't degrade, um, um, put down black lives matter by saying all lives matter because that's, that further decreases the value of Black Lives Matter. But then for me, that kind of the point, because you said that that's like the whole point. But then I'm like, well, aren't you just diminishing any other life? So if you're going to put one life on top of a um, 
on top of a pedestal, then you're you're diminishing everything else underneath it. But he was he was worried about diminishing Black Lives because obviously with with all that kind of stuff with tensions and rah 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 rah, rah and going into that. And because he's blacks, and because he's black, or maybe he just identifies. Now he's or, black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So it was a, a bit of a trailer, which I was kind of like that whole thirty segments wasn't needed. We had to hear the song. The political contradiction for me was a bit like. Uh, Oh, I don't know if I want to give these guys my money yet. <laughs> oh, no, you won't anyway. You don't buy podcast stuff anyway. But look, if he if he wants to call the album All Lives Matter, he should do that. He should every song on the album should be about a different like race. Well, no, he's called it No Lives Matter. Even though the irony was think- that he got upset that the whole trailer was um, that it should be like we should be really looking for to Black Lives Matter. But then it's kind of like, well, you know, if you can't get No Lives Matter and then you're trying to go against it, I don't know. It's the weirdest marketing pitch I've seen in the world. So it's kind of like, no wonder Metallica is so rich because they just kind of keep things simple. They're just kind of like, yeah, we just like have inner, t- um, inner demons that we have, inner battles. We, we sell the, the documentary, then we sell the CD. Brilliant. Yeah. And keep just, it simple. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we're going to finish it on with Jesse Leach. Now, he's the guy from, you know, Kill Switch Engage. We all know it. We've talked about it. And he's getting off social media, Danny. He's had enough. Is that enough social media, man? Yep. Jeez, that's that's that sounds like he's getting like regressing to his emo stages. Too negative. Yeah, yeah, it's just like even though you can block all the crap, you know, I've worked out a way Facebook to ignore all those people that talk about their dog, and I just get all the people that talk about their guitars. It's great. Like you know, it took about 20, 20 minutes, but now every day I wake up, I'm like, dude, my life rocks right now. Yeah. So to say he's got too much negative, it's, it's kind of like, dude, just show me how to use the filter, man. It's, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, you're you're an adult. You know, you got thumbs. Yeah, with like click <laughs> buttons and change things. I uh, look. I don't know. Look, I, I haven't experienced this live. I haven't really experienced what he's facing every day. But at the same time, it's like just he's, don't read it. He's numb, and I'm kind of like, dude, can't you use that for your next album? I mean, like your last album was kind of like not emo enough. Mm, that's a problem. He's getting too happy. I think that's yeah, a problem. yeah, yeah. I do. Like, you need to be put in the darkness, man. You need to be not. You don't need less uh, Twitter. You need more Twitter. We need to hear like a death metal album from you guys. Yeah, man. So we want everyone out there to keep sending hate mail now. To <laughs> And yeah, fly, absolutely. Fly, fly over his house and airplanes with like hate banners. Yeah, absolutely. If you can't, if you can't get the uh, get the hashtags to him, you need to find another way of getting the hashtag. Get a plane or get a get a rocket fuel jet of some kind. Just kind of crash into his lounge room. And, you know, hashtag on the thing. You know, get on Twitter again or something. Yeah, hashtag Jesse Lynch needs to be angry. <laughs> yeah, so that's our thoughts on that. You know, the whole thing about it was, you know, it's really dark times in 2016. Yeah, I think uh, 1944 called and, you know, the Jews want their uh, get to get the right to complain back because, you know, it's not that bad this year. You know, and what Jesse's going through, dude, it's not that bad. Yeah, considering all those people who complain that that year was so shit are still living and breathing now, I don't think, and they have the ability to have the internet, Ugh. which means they probably have at least a phone or something, so their actual lives probably aren't that bad. It's kind of like, mm, really? the, me- yeah. the melodrama is strong with this one, honestly. It's yeah. the Star Wars of like, bitchiness. I reckon, it's crazy. I reckon the, the selfie function of cameras, not just for foes, also start to see the reflection of yourself, people. So just like, just reflect a bit, you know? So we're going to move off the news now and we're going to go straight into the editorial. Now, normally we go really in-depth with it. We like to think about something really hard. We'll go to the fans and give them a chance to get in contact with their favorite Super Mario brother, Dan. This time we're going to do predictions. We're going to put our Nostradamus hat on and we're going to let you guys know of the news stories before they even happen, Danny. Nostradamus, is that like a German power metal band? Uh, yeah, I think so. I reckon there is. I reckon there is. But we'll, we'll uh, you know... Copyrights aside, we'll actually pretend we know what we're talking about. We That's right. And aside from the dragons and the bad analogies from that, we're going to talk about... I guess, Daniel, I want you to start off and um, I want to talk about what's going to be the best-selling album of the year, Danny. Well, who's going to be the best-selling band this year? Hmm, I'm going to take a guess and say it starts with Metallic 
and it ends with car. Yeah. yeah. That was like easy. And I think, I guarantee that that's going to pay for itself there. Um, it did last year. It's going to do it for every year. I want to see the band is going to knock it off, uh, knock Metallica off their, uh, their perch. Uh, Dan, are you brave enough to do that? Are you brave enough to stand against the wave that is uh, thrash metal from the 80s being uh, regurgitated and remastered? Or is it not going to happen? Oh, well, again, I, I, well, Testament was actually pretty good last year and they're like 80s thrash. So, um, I don't know. It could, yeah. be, it could be a good year. Creator's got an album coming out, you yeah. know. So, I can't feel free. I'm uh, thrash. It, it, could be, it could be an interesting turning point. So, what's your prediction, Danny? What's going to happen this year? Uh, the first prediction I have is that um, the most hyped, the most anticipated tour, the uh, Guns N' Roses reunion tour, will probably last 10 shows. Yeah. Then Axe will leave. And he'll be replaced by Brian Johnson. Ooh, what a twist. Oh. But then he will leave oh. and be replaced by Sebastian Bach. Nice. And then rename the band to Skid Rose. Ah, uh, you know what's even weirder is that you know that for every concert that played, the show will just get later and later. And by all means, like there'll be one that LA show will be played two weeks later than it's been forecasted. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be like way, way Axel Rose. You know, it comes with all that um, theatrical nonsense that uh, comes with his um, gigs when he decides to sing at them. Hopefully, they don't get thrown up. Like if there's mm. like another band playing with them. Play at 50% of your ability. Don't have a chance of having the best night of your night. Don't show the people what you've got because, you know, that will ruin the 4,000 people that just bought this yeah. in seconds. Made millions of dollars, didn't it, before it even went on to print it's almost. The, the 12th largest economy in the world is oh. Guns and Roses. Oh, and also, don't don't set yourself on fire due to fireworks because Axl Rose hates when you... You, you burn yourself. It's funny because we we're complaining about Metallica being all, like making all these albums and still making it, but Guns N' Roses pretty much made one or two and they're making billions of dollars. Yeah, what's it's amazing, isn't it? You've got to have a gimmick, man. I mean, like you slash out the hair. Uh, Metallica had the drug addiction. You just need something that's going to get you off and like you know something that's going to put you through that stratosphere. And I think um, I think that's what we need. The next band needs to be a gimmick band. It needs to be like a farm animal band. And every animal, every person has to be a different farm animal. That's a new Farm one. core. Farm core. There you yeah. go. I've created a new stock because Gent's gone. So we can get rid of Gent now. Yeah. You know, that that was gone in and out before Periphery could, uh, you know, figure out what they were playing. Um, so, yeah, we've got Farm core. Your gimmick is your fire animals and you're addicted to meth because, you know, Breaking Bad was pretty popular as well. So let's mm. get on that bandwagon as well. I'm still going with Panda Core. I, oh, I have yeah. a feeling people dressing up as pandas and eating bam- having bamboo like equipment like drumsticks and bamboo like microphone stands yeah that's, that, that could, that that's could pretty be hot it's pretty awesome and Corpse Play will make a comeback so that's that's a winner you know what I think is going to make a comeback this year you know what's going to be the best thing about gigging is the holograms they tried it out last year with Dio mm. and now they're going to go to the band they're going to have hologram band right and this is going to be the touring thing so basically now bands can do their show from home and they'll be projected on the stage for the fans to listen to that's pretty awesome. So they, then they could do it simultaneously so they can be in Finland and Australia doing the same show and people can be watching it. And, yeah. if, and if the fan doesn't like it, what they do, they'll kill all the fans and then they'll just have holographic fans there and so they'll be looking into a hologram of fans and the holographic fans will be looking at the holographic band. Ah. So like everyone's happy. Wow. How, how do they make money they kill all the fans? <laughs> <laughs> all I came with was holograms, blank and profit. <laughs> Excellent. I <laughs> see. Step B never happens. Uh, step B never happens. That's not, that's the detail is not the important part. The important no. part is money. That's, that's it. right. It's the fans, which are dead now because they're holograms. Yeah. But actually, talking about tours, I have a feeling this year there'll be 17 new heavy metal f- tours announced for Australia and not one of them will come. Yeah. Uh, Adelaide, it will be the most boycotted uh, state in all of every country. Like, no kidding. We're just going 
to be uh, neglected now. We've seen them slowly come off from Meshuggah to Opeth to uh, Lacuna Call, you name it, Symphony X. You know, first tour here, did two great shows, one in Melbourne. I wasn't even in Melbourne. I can say it was a great show because, you know, it was Symphony X. We saw him in Sydney. And, uh, yeah, so Adelaide now will be like, we've got a, a bubble over us. You know, if, like when the, in The Simpsons, how they put that thing over the town? Yeah, that's what bands have over mm. us now. We can't see it, but we know it's there. That's a good lyric. That's something, man. Yeah. I know. We're getting oh, it. It's all I see what you're doing. It's all Jesse today, doing. man. It's all Chuck oh, Shortina. It's all it's Chuck like, Shortina. Oh, you just had a moment of clarity. You're able to do a decent uh, foreshadowing look, there. Uh, look back, but no. It's I bite the pain looking back, but forward. Yeah. yeah. Actually, we haven't told people the album reviewing yet. No, nah, we haven't. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. Another another um, uh, thing I see coming in the future is like, you know, the Ari Awards were like pretty upset that, you know, the best rock album was won by like a... Psychedelic rock. Who's winning it? Well, I have I have pre foreshadowed. I've, I've rubbed my magic eight ball. I've looked into the mirror of fortune, and I know that the winner of this year's best metal hard rock album we won by none other than Olivia Newton John. Oh, that's a good one. You know, because yeah. she's blonde, and that will help be the brutal side of it. So then people can't argue it. She did a rock album with like was it John Farnham? Yeah. Once or a rock song, that's enough. That's enough. She was in Greece, wasn't she? She drives a car. Car's made for metal. I don't oh. understand what you're trying to get at, man. She uses a microphone. It's more brutal than Disturbed's latest album. Metal microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought you would have gone with like Guy Sebastian as well. You know, someone like just like nah. possible of maybe doing a collaboration with a pop rock singer that could you know no yeah now, no. I'm too afraid of saying something because I know I'm going to get it right and then people are going to be like Superman Brothers Matt you guys are the worst I'm like yeah yeah, yeah. now we are we really are uh, do you guys want to put a, put a bar around this Danny any other predictions you got oh yeah Symphony X will continue being underrated oh. I stick that and also uh, Jeff Loomis will quit Arch Enemy on stage and reform Nevermore yeah Whoa. honestly he's gonna, I don't care if it's called part 2 or 3 uh, and they get someone else than Moral Dane but um we just read an article saying that um, that uh, Jeff Loomis has said that uh, for Arch Enemy, he's only submitted a few songs, but it's still, in essence, the uh, Arch Enemy's band, uh, the guy with the red hair, Amot. It's still primarily his band, so most of the riffs are not going to be his. I'm like, God damn it. You've got a nuclear warhead sitting in your band, and you're, this is your chance to take over Russia, Syria, or whatever, and what you're doing is using it to heat your water. It's like, I don't get it. Like, what a waste of potential of songs, of of, of an album. You know, just cut it, cut it down the middle. Honestly, and what we're doing the metal community a favor by getting out and saying, you know what, Jeff, me and you are going to write this album together and we're going to do 50 50% of it. And all the good songs are for guarantee of We Loomis's. I guarantee it. Mm. Yeah, getting a few, so frustrating. Get a few Loomis hired, man. Think oh. out of your pants. There's actually, there's actually other good news we didn't talk about before, and that's. Um, the owners of Metal Hammer have actually, yeah. the previous owners have bought back Metal Hammer, so they've actually re-established them and stopped them from going out of business and saving all those metal jobs, which means, again, the Metal Hammer's Golden God Awards will be occurring again this year, which means Metallica has now won 20 more awards, including Best Newcomer. So oh. Metallica, congratulations for winning Best Newcomer and all yeah. these other people. And also, what are they going to win? They're going to win uh, Best uh English band, yeah, and uh, all those things. So and, Metallica. But you know, in saying that though, the bands, the label now, the magazine label to go down, be hopefully metal sucks. Uh, lately, they've uh, been the least one that I see all my news stories from. So I wouldn't mind seeing them taking a uh, cold walk through a Scandinavian forest, uh, one particularly with churches that are no longer there. Um, but in saying that, um, yeah, I think we've called uh, some really good Nostradamus uh, exercises, and hopefully in 2018, we didn't troll too hard and get any of them right. 
2017. Oh, yeah, I mean, 2018, looking back at 2017. I want to see you say in like a year, going over the year right. previously. Yeah, yeah. That looking didn't... backward, forward. Yeah, I find. Oh, what's happening? All right, let's talk about it. We've teased it enough. We're talking about our favorite album reunion. We normally do for album reviews the latest thing that's come out, but unfortunately in January, we're on the first week and the only one album's really come out and it only came out a couple of days ago. So we're going to do a retro review. We're going to talk about our most favorite death album, the favorite Chuck Shorina. He's our guy. You know, we love him to death, but this is our favorite album from him and it's called Sound of Perseverance, Danny. Yeah, it's not symbolic as I guess a lot of you were thinking, but ours is the Sound of Perseverance, which is a... Great album. Yeah, really 1998 it was released and featured on the Nuclear Blast label. It was featuring very more progressive elements. You know, before in the band, it was much heavier, very much through even death metal at times, like it was traditional kind of style. You know, they helped pioneer the sound. And because of it, they renamed the whole entire genre after it really practically. But this album particularly was interesting because it came out that um, some of these songs were going to feature on a Control Denied album, which was the new uh, band that Chuck Trina has started. And this was really going to be. Uh, this death album was going to be the last on Nuclear Blast. There was no real intentions of having this death album, but seeing as it was signed to the Nuclear, the last one up finish death off in style and finishing off in style, they did. Chuck Shonina pulled all the stops out, didn't he, Danny? This is yeah, this is a fantastic album. I mean, like, I guess we just get stuck right into it and talk about the riffs. I guess. I yep. mean, the great thing about this is that every song pretty much has an iconic riff on it. So every every song will have a money riff, none greater than the uh, first track. Which is scavenger of human sorrow? That chorus or the pre-chorus riff? Uh, this chorus that is. Pinch harmonics always work, but that is like one of those legendary riffs, like Crazy Train, which will go down with Smoking Water, which will go down forever. That that was brilliant. You're right. You're exactly right, Danny. Like the progressive elements of this so- album is really much like every riff um, has a chance to uh, either breathe or be catchy or fast or memorable. But that's the thing; they're all memorable. Whether it be the uh, amazingly powerful intro with Flesh and the Power It Holds. Or a moment of clarity, that really cool intro with that diminished kind of thing. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, bite the pain, a spirit crush with that really cool thrash section thrown in the middle of it. I mean, there's just so many iconic riffs in this album that's like you said, Danny, they're all memorable. You can sing every single one of them. Such a good way of getting a lot of metal fans into a record, I think. It's just such an accessible album, really. And hard to say with other death albums of whether they're your favorite or not, but this one here is definitely one that from any metal fan to enjoy. Oh, definitely. And even like the drumming is just solid in here as well. It's just got great drum lines, great feels in there. It's just, it's just brilliant. The the, um, the musicianship in this is just is really top notch. Even it, the recreation of Painkiller, really, with yeah. those riffs and stuff and the guitar solo. Great. So much fun. You know, this was just a big beast of an album with those riffs, man. They're all chugging, having a great time. Shreddy, Betty, Betty, Betty. Love it. Yeah, Betty's pretty sweet. <laughs> but no, it really is a, it's really written quite well. Uh, yeah, just solid, heavy riffs. They sound great. Distortion's fantastic. Um, even a bit of bass in there as well. Bass yeah, yeah, plays yeah. Bass holds its own at times as well. So, no, it's really a great song. Like saying, there's always parts of a song you're looking forward to, and you yeah. really want to blast up your um, stereo system or your CD or whatever it is you choose to listen to your music on. So again, riffs definitely has it. Oh, absolutely. Let's move on to vocals now. Now the vocal style was different from other albums. 
a bit more of a raspier tone, you know, it has a lot more attack, but he would adopt this kind of tone live as well. So I guess it was just a natural inclination for his voice where to go. Some may have claimed because of his sickness that it was why the reason his voice changed so much. But some people thought it was just a natural way of getting into it. Maybe it'd be an easier way to sing live. Who knows? Um, it's the way he did it and it's perfect. It sets it up really well. There's a lot of clarity around it, I find, but the aggression and the intensity fits the distortion so well. I think it's just brilliant. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the tone on this album this is one of the reasons I like this album the most after the other Death albums is because his tone has that raspiness to it and just gives that edge, which I, I, I really enjoy. So kudos to um, him and his uh, his technique on here. I mean, it's it's yeah. the attack. Like the thing yeah. is, he hits, he goes for everything with such conviction, which is great. But the way it sounds, it works so well to complement everything that's going on. He does this all while playing incredibly intricate, fast, and technically mind-blowing riffs as well at times, but he sings over all the time without even blinking an eye. He's just so much talent, obviously, for anyone who knows Chuck Schrodinger, but with this album particularly, his vocal style fits the arrangements really well. Um, they're very long songs too, and for him to kind of get out what he needs to get out to make it sound like all cohesive, and uh, like a lot of singing, it's logical. It's literally like, listening to bands, like, this is exactly what I would have mm. done if I was talented. Like, it's just perfect. <laughs> it is. I mean, he's got great power, Great intensity, have you suggested, Matt? And the range is, is shown in Painkiller. He's got range as well, and he's got great technique to spare. So he, he has a lot of tricks for being a, a I guess, a death screamer. Yeah. One of the great things also about his voice is that you actually can hear the words. It's actually, yeah. He's actually like a screamer, but you actually understand pretty much 90% of what he's actually singing. Yeah, and a testament to that because a lot of people that I listen to, I still don't even know. Even some people who sing, I find it really hard to really grasp what they're singing about. But with Chuck, so much clarity goes into it. And that, I guess, with the production as well, would have counted. But everything's very organic as well. So even though it's very clear and, and crisp, it's also pretty much organic. Like They're just talented enough to get through a, a show or a recording, and that's why it sounds so real and so authentic, which is very much appreciated, especially with the way that metal has been going, and which we talked about a lot in the past too. Yeah, that's right. Metal likes to roll. I guess we're talking more about production, but yeah, um, yeah so, but vocals great. Vocals great. The diversity of the record, Danny. Now, I found that the diversity I found most of the time, apart from maybe the instrumental, the the tracks are diverse enough. Like the uh, tracks differing from each other, I find that there's a theme kind of going through it with the way he writes for the album. But a song has everything. I mean, they're long songs, and they'll have, like you would mention, Danny, um, jazz and feud stuff. It's got some of the, which bands like Cynic would go ahead and take with them and, and move on with it. It's got the death metal stuff, your thrash inspired material, you know. It's got all those winks and nods to past, but also taking it into the future as well, which would be one of the reasons why so many bands would steal off of them. It's, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, definitely. This this is nearly a, a progressive death metal album because yeah. the fact that the songs are long as it is, but they actually do break up their songs with those different, uh, I guess, elements of different genres and also tempo changes and um, solos if need solos, be. Solos, leads, uh, just a chord sometimes played out. And so there's these really nice romantic, uh, evil-sounding um, melodic lines over the top of it or the shred that needs to happen. Uh, then it's fast and f frenetic where the drummer will step it up and then everyone will kind of go with it. It's like everyone's given a chance to to have the limelight and it just showcases the musicianship and it showcases a great sense of writing where everything can be displayed through a song but not sound repetitive. I do find that though with uh, Chuck Schreiner, he has a style of writing songs whereas in pop, for example, you have like, you know, your 
intro. Then it would go chorus, uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, end. But what Chuck Schrodinger I found with this album does, and he does sometimes in the past, is he goes like an A, B, C, D. So we'll have like an intro riff. Then we'll go into a next section, then the next section, next section. But then the whole thing kind of gets repeated. So he has formulas for songwriting, which I find he does really well. And he's kind of innovated that for himself. And that works very well for his style, which gives him a fresh approach to songwriting. And I give that a diversity as well with um, for the listener. Yeah, she has um, the structures are similar. Like track two and track three have their similar structures as do four and five have similar structures. Where they have four and five will have the slow intro into that yeah. progressively building up. Then they cut back in the middle. Then they start progressing up again, and they come. Kind of but it's a theme because you find yeah. that the the way that he does the song, instead of doing like I was saying before with pop, how it has an arrangement to to sell records, I find that Chuck Schrader has ways of doing songs structures as well, and it, it's fine. It, it it tells the story really well. He does what it needs to do. But it's it's very it's just interesting. It's visual, like listening to it. As uh, is is yeah, I love it. The diversity is fantastic. From literally the way songs are orchestrated, to what kind of styles are in it, to how they're delivered, to how they're playing it, it's um, oh, it's incredible, isn't it, Danny? Yeah, no, it's definitely. I mean, a lot going on. Even if you just hear like the little subtleties and guitar lines and drum riffs, like these one-off like feels. Like, where, where did that come from? So there is a lot to listen. So these musicians out there will get a bit out of it as well. Now we're going to move on to why this album is our favorite death album and it's The Groove. Now, the thing is with death metal, especially with progressive death metal, anything you want to put this kind of into, you have to have a sense of when to kind of go for it and when not to. And I think Chuck Schrodinger at the time, he really had an idea about how to structure a song where it's going to give you an enjoyable listen the whole time, but it doesn't take the gas off the pedal too much where you've become disinterested and you want to hear the fast sections. Like he's got such a strong sense of songwriting in every aspect that um, when the grooves hit and they do hit sometimes, don't they, Danny? It's a not it's a genuine head knocker, eh? Like the whole time you're having a great time, but when it needs to go, you haven't like you're gone with it, eh? Yeah, I guess it's that progressive nature to the songs where you know he puts you on a bit of a roller coaster and builds you up at times and breaks it down at times. But right, there's definitely groovy parts of once you like saying you really want to turn your uh, music up, your volume up and really headbang along to him so I give him credit man not to me death um, metal bands ha- can have that much like um, I guess groove or the enjoyable groove in their songs and still get across like their intensity and tone so that's that right like you want you want groove like you just the whole entire track to scavenger human sorry I mean that whole thing is a groove fest really you know as far as death metal song goes then you've got like spirit crusher exactly it's got that slow kind of beasts of a uh, crunch with it and then it goes into those really memorable guitar lines which are a bit more faster to forgive us to suffer again it starts off hitting you and then it goes into really cool guitar stuff really groovy times you're just kind of nodding your head the whole time um flesh and the power it holds when it really kicks into it after the beautiful uh intro yep again you're nodding your head to it it's just such a great time oh i, I just can't tell you what track i just didn't like it's all killer no filler i love it yeah, no, it really is. It's, um, yeah, they've done a great job with the groove, and the only one I guess you say picks is different is the cover out song, which is pretty much like pretty balls to the wall kind of song, and doesn't actually the only one which doesn't fit in a way because there is no progressiveness to it. It's just a yeah, it's just a rock and roll song. It's literally Judas Priest with like singing in seven octaves above uh, cat streakingness. It's just incredible. It's incredibly, incredibly high. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Glass shattering, yeah. uh, Mariah Carey shaming. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she shamed herself enough anyway, as it is. Shame, shame. So, we're going to move on to production and why this album for me is with all its parts put together and why is it so good. And I think this is the point I, I say to bands 
like a, a legion, which would have been higher if they would have taken a leaf out of this book. Now, you can hear that this is naturally played. It's not played to a click track per se, or if it is, it's very loosely done. Um, it's just more like great musicians playing together and giving the best time. You know, things sound more... Maybe you could, you could argue slippery or a bit more flowy or whatever, but I would say it, it's exactly how a song should sound in metal. You know, it's aggressive when it needs to be and it hits in front of it a little bit, but then it's pulled back just behind when it's a bit more open. Than that it gives more feeling in that way, and um, I, I love it for it. And I really don't understand how more metal bands take a risk and do albums like this more vulnerable and more uh, risk taking with production, but. The only way to go forward, I think, for metal bands now is to go back in the past and see how bands like this do it and how a 1993 record for me can have more weight than something released in 2016. And, and I, it's true. I still listen to this album a lot more than I would have listened to anything that we reviewed last year for the simple fact that it's an honest album. It's guys at the top of their range playing with the best songwriting that the guy could perform at, at the time and the, the execution is, is flawless. I, I absolutely adore this album and, I, and this is why we had to review this album because it's like... If you're a metalhead and you haven't checked this album out, you need to understand how it was in Chuck Trina was. And only a very purist in black metal or groove metal and that, that doesn't want to venture out would would not be into it. Apart from that, I think anyone who's got a, a chance to get themselves an opportunity to listen to something good and just put it on, I think they'll really, really dig it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I really won't add too much more to you, man. Apart from, like, you're right, these are well put together songs. The sound is actually quite great like for that time it's actually interesting because they've they've done a remastered version of this album i think i released last year or was to be released this year so that's actually quite um interesting so i, I, I would love to see what the sound quality is like that because this is quite a very i thought this was quite a good recording so yeah. it always makes it interesting i don't know how you can re remaster i don't actually how that even works because you, you original recording is your original recording i don't know how how you can get an original recording and make it better so i don't know some sound tech out there maybe you can explain it to me because i haven't really I, look, I haven't looked into it no but another interesting thing as well is i think they're doing that death documentaries apparently supposed to be coming out this year that's right we reviewed that in the last year yeah. and they had a trailer for it about two or three months ago and that would be amazing seeing guys like sean reynard and stuff that's the thing like this album it had a, a whole new um lineup that was untested before it was guys like gene hoagland sean reynard and all that guys would be you know hurting their own bands you know in fact I think guys like Sean Reynard had with Cynic he had to call it a day because people weren't practicing enough to be in mm. the band with him yeah. you know could you imagine that like it's like you're putting eight hours a day into playing in a metal band what and for a tech death metal band you're probably playing in front of you know seven or eight people yeah, a hundred bucks a year a hundred, you know and that's the thing you know that's exactly what you're looking at you know, these that's the guys who Chuck Schultz had in his band and uh, what a testament to um, a great lineup and great songs, having great players play for it. Yeah, it is great. I mean, like, this this album is pretty much for nearly all metalheads. Yeah. Unless, like, unless you're like your full black metal or... You, you have to be a purist mm. in your own like selected yeah. genre. Yeah. And, you know, and, and those elitists come across as so contrived because they always say how, oh, you know, this certain member was too highly respected because, you know, they weren't... X, Y, and Z. They're playing too many notes or rah, rah, rah. And for that, I'm like, well, you know, that's fine. I think you're just missing out on a great opportunity to enjoy another style of music um, that I, I strongly believe is is quite um, quite admirable and, uh, and it should be well-respected, um, you know. But aside from that, I think anyone that uh, opens their mind up to uh, anything is willing to try something once uh, will really dig this album and uh, should be regarded as one of the best metal albums of all time. Yeah, I 100% agree with that, man. So, yeah, and... Yeah, I really I agree with it. One of my first albums which got me into like the death vocals. So, mm. one for which I 
it, it brought me into a whole new horizon, a whole new area of metal. So got me into that, that, to be honest, because uh, that was when the time for me, I was quite young, and uh, that was when uh, Chuck Schneider was going through problems and, and passed away, and I had to understand what was going on with death. And, uh, you know, that was about 17 years ago for me, I think it was, or whatever. I think it was a little bit later, sorry, about 15 years ago. And, uh, yeah, here we are, um, digging it still to this very day. Uh, yeah, so go out and check the album out, guys. Uh, death, uh, Sound of Perseverance. If you don't, uh, if you did love this album and want more, I would definitely recommend going out and buying the Symbolic album as well. And probably want to get... Uh, I probably want to go with... Um, one second. Not leprosy, is it? Nah, too early. Oh, and that's what I really know. Inhuman? Nah. Nah. I'm nah. going to say... Individual thought patterns third. Yeah, I'm just looking through the death selections, thinking what else. But yeah, definitely go out, go and buy a Santa Perseverance, then check out Symbolic, Individual Thought Patterns. And then after that, you'll just throw yourself in it and just find out what kind of Chuck Sheena style of writing you like the most. But uh, until then, Danny, that's uh, the death album, Sound of Perseverance. Yeah. Uh, I I enjoy going back to knowing, reviewing it. I know I actually genuinely will like it. Yeah, to it's good, actually. You know what you're expecting. It's easy to review because you've already heard the album like 50 times. So it makes it a bit easier for us. But look, we, yeah. we, look again, if people want us to review a certain old album, let us know. We're, we're open to suggestions. We always love your comments. Yeah. We appreciate you listening. Tell your friends, man. You know, if they like metal, you think they'll like some bold guys talking shit hey oh, get on board we are definitely bold and we definitely do all that kind of stuff this is hopefully a good one we've got more Prince of Mess coming out we've got Creator coming this way there's going to be a lot of bands I'm really looking forward to reviewing as well as you know some curveballs you know we reviewed Pain last year and we enjoyed that uh, Testament was a bit of a <laughs> left field and that was cool too so who knows what this year's installed? We kind of predicted a few things, so we'll wait and see, I guess. Yeah, we're trying to, you know, the interviews will be back and hopefully we'll be pushing for some uh, bit, bit more NOAA international bands. Hopefully that can come our way as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we will hit up by one of the bands we reviewed last year, funny enough, so hopefully we can get them on the show. Uh, Danny, remember that story you told me about it? I'm a Faja. I'm a Faja. A band from Switzerland who we, we just like, we just picked the album, Matt found the album, thought it was good. We reviewed it, came fourth on our top 10 and they... Liked it on Facebook. So that shows you how small the world is. So someone out there in Switzerland is listening to Super Mario Brothers and whoever you are, buy yourself a bar of chocolate because that is amazing. That's what was. That pretty much made my year, man. And lucky having just at the end of the year as well. So that, that shows you how good of a thing that was. Cool. So we're looking forward to talking to you guys next week. My name is Super Mario Brother Matt. And I'm Super Mario Brother Dan. We've been the Super Mario Brothers. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next week.